In the name of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. This morning, in um, what we were talking about before the service is one of the longest readings ever, um, what we hear is one of our origin stories. When God creates the heavens and the earth, when God separates the waters from the sky and then goes on to create all the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and all of the animals that live on earth, and then finally God creates us, humankind, in the likeness and image of God. And God looks at all of this and says it is good. We heard the beginning of this text actually last week on the day of Pentecost when we tracked the story of the Holy Spirit through salvation history. This is the first time in scripture when we hear about the presence of the Holy Spirit. And you'll notice it's right at the beginning when God creates the heavens and the earth. The text tells us that the earth was formless and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. When the earth was still a formless void, the spirit of God, the breath of God swept over the face of the waters. And then creation began. We have another beginning story that we didn't hear today, but I always think we need it on Trinity Sunday. It feels to me like it's the, the supplemental reading that should happen that just isn't there. We usually hear it the Sunday after Christmas, and it's the beginning of the Gospel of John. And it goes like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. So as the Spirit swept over the water, so too was the Word present. God the Creator, God the Word, God the Spirit, co-eternal, all present and together at the beginning of time, and then creation began. What scripture is trying to describe to us is one of the greatest mysteries of our faith, something that scholars and theologians have written about and tried to explain for generations. The Trinity, the belief that our God is one and three. Three unique persons who share one substance, one being, one purpose, one love, and yet continue to be unique, each their own person. And if you think about that too hard, you, like many who came before you, will come up with a lot of questions. <laughs> so for today, there are two things that are really important for us on this Trinity Sunday. And first, it's that scripture is trying to tell you that at the beginning of time, before anything was created, there were these three at the heart of everything. Why does that matter? Because it means that the creative force behind everything, the force that willed all of creation into being, the force that made it good is this loving community of divine united love that is shared between the three persons of God. The creative force behind all of creation is love, but not just love. It's love in community. And the second thing is that these three persons in all their unity are yet unique. These three persons of God are united in purpose and yet they are different. They are of shared substance and being, and yet they are not identical. They are not perfectly the same. So it is a loving community of co-eternal equals who yet are not the same. Love unites them, but it does not make them the same. 
And the love these three share before time begins is so powerful that it spills over and it sparks creation and life and beauty. And it creates more and more love, love that creates everything that we are and everything that we now know, everything that is good. And even though scripture tells us that as people, as humans, we sort of made a mess of the goodness and the innocence of creation, still there is more love from God who wants to redeem us, who does so by inviting us into salvation, who invites us into this community of love. And we know that invitation best in Jesus, in the word who takes on flesh and comes to live with us. In him we see love in action. He invites us to follow him and to find our way into love by following him on the way of love. In his life with us, he heals people. He welcomes the stranger. He forgives the sinner. He feeds the hungry. He calls people into right relationship with God and with each other. He creates community everywhere he goes. He overturns tables for the sake of justice, and he breaks rules and norms that are oppressive to God's people. Ultimately, he sacrifices himself for us. He literally puts his body between us and death. And in his death and resurrection, he invites us into that eternal loving community through our baptism. At baptism, you are claimed and named and you become a part of the story of Jesus, part of the loving community that the Trinity shares with us. And the story is supposed to define you more than anything else, more than any other story or team or ideal or affiliation. This story of Jesus that you claim in baptism makes you who you are. It makes you part of a resurrection people, part of God's new creation. And just like the loving community of the Trinity, when the church is able to be a loving community, we are a creative force behind what is good. We, with God's help, become something new, a new people, a new tribe, living in this world and yet given the ability to create something new as we share God's love and show people Jesus. When I sit with a couple for marital counseling, it won't surprise you to know that one of the things that we talk about is love. But we don't talk so much about the Hollywood movie kind of love. I love hearing the stories of how people met and how they fell in love. And there should always be a spark of that Hollywood sort of fancy. But the love that endures and the love that grows is always something more than the movies would have us believe. Love that will survive all the challenges and obstacles of marriage, everything that the world throws at us, it's a little different. The love that we're called to in marriage is a love that makes Jesus visible. In fact, that's literally the job of the married couple to make Christ visible to each other and to the world around them. And the church believes that some of us can do that better with a partner, with a buddy. The only way that that works is if love binds those two people up so well that they sort of lose a sense of where one starts and the other begins. If love binds them together so well that there is one now where there used to be two. That's actually what all the symbols of the marriage liturgy are about, binding two people together so that they become one being. They still maintain their own identities, of course, and in order to be in healthy relationship, you still have to do your own work and manage your own needs and choose to honor the needs of the other person. Love binds you up, connects you deeply, makes two into one being. But even as they're united, they are still unique. Love gives them the same life and the same purpose, but it doesn't make them the same person. Sound familiar? 
And in the eyes of the church, the goal of this union, if it's healthy, is that together the two, now one, can present together a more perfect image of Jesus. Now, I know what you're saying, some of you, that marriage isn't for everyone, and it doesn't always work out that way, and that is true. And there are many other faithful ways to live this life. I agree. But this is the expectation of the church for those who choose this vocation, that if the couple will live well into love, if they show each other and their community sacrificial love, if they learn to forgive, if they learn to endure, then they become a loving community. Two unique people united as one image of love. And then creation begins not just for them, but for their family, for their friends, for their community, for their little corner of the world. If they choose love, then creation begins. So I share this in the midst of all of this Trinitarian theology because it's a familiar image that we can hold on to. The idea of love spilling over that binds two people together into one. And it is the same in many ways as what we were talking about a little earlier in the Trinity unique persons, one being loving community that leads to creation. And while marriage maybe isn't for everyone, baptism is. And the vocation of baptism is the same. The invitation is the same. The difference is that you have many, many people with whom to share the love of God, with whom to partner, with whom to work, with whom to learn to love. In baptism, each of us is called to an individual vocation of showing Jesus to the world, of living into our baptismal covenant, except we have many partners in that work, many buddies, so to speak. And in particular, it's intended to be your community of faith. So St. Matt's, for example, where together we are supposed to show people Jesus and what loving community looks like, what loving community can create if we choose love then creation begins again. This week in the news, we have seen the boiling over of a long and painful failure to recognize that all people are made in the image of God. A long and painful failure to understand that all of us are called to be in community together. That even though we are different, we are called to be bound up so tightly by the love of God that we lose track of where we end and our neighbor begins. What we've seen in the news this week is a long and painful failure to offer the image of Christ that we've come to believe in, to see our neighbors as part of our very being. As Christians, I believe that we have a particular gift to give in the midst of this conversation. We who are defined by the story of Jesus, we who are baptized into his life and death, we understand and we should be able to share the commitment, the meaning of being together in love. St. Paul writes so fully about the body of Christ, reminding us that each of us is a member of a much larger body and that when one member hurts, we all hurt. When one suffers, we all suffer. As Christians, we are called into that kind of connection, into the loving community of the Trinity, we are not individuals after our baptism. We are part of a greater whole, part of the community of love that God has created, which means that we are supposed to be so bound up with our neighbors, so invested in the well-being of our neighbors that we aren't sure where they end and we begin. So tied up that our welfare is tied to the welfare of the people around us, that we can't differentiate between their needs and ours. 
This should never erase our difference or our diversity. When we step into loving community, we don't forget who we are or where we came from. We don't cease to be ourselves. We don't suddenly find ourselves released from the responsibility of having to tend to our own needs and do our own work. But we are invited to pay more attention to the needs of others than our own, to pay more attention to the needs of the whole body rather than just ours. We are invited to become part of a greater story that is about creating life that is light for all people, light that shines in the darkness and cannot be overcome. When St. Paul talks about the body of Christ, he talks about the different roles and different functions of different members, all connected, all important. And in this moment, we who are the members of the body of Christ who have privilege, we have a particular function. We have a particular role. God is calling us to choose Jesus. Jesus who upends tables for the sake of justice and fairness. Jesus who reconstructed societal norms for the sake of goodness and equality in God's kingdom and who ultimately put his heart and his voice and his body in between the people he loved and their death. My friends, this is the holy work to which we are called to be in loving community, and to be the force behind creation of what is good, to love so well and to be bound up so well that we aren't sure where we end and our neighbors begin. Not to erase diversity, not to lose uniqueness, not to give away what makes us special, but to fully embrace the uniqueness of each other, even as we show the world the image of Jesus that Bishop Douglas reminded us last week, it takes all of us to create. All of us need to be connected in order to show that image of the Jesus who leaves the 99 and goes after the one, the Jesus who insists on justice, Jesus who puts himself in the midst of the world, who stands between us and death. Right now, the spirit of God is moving over the waters of our unrest, over the formlessness and shapelessness of our love. Right now, you are invited, even, even expected, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to be part of this loving community, and to be part of the sacred act of creation, creation of justice, creation of goodness, creation of life. Amen. <laughs>